Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Hello, everybody. TGIF to you. Happy Friday. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, thank you for tuning into the show. Uh, yeah, I talked on Thursday's show about it being a, a busy TV-watching night, and uh, I finally I settled in on the, the Shane Bieber game uh, on air. I was non-committal, uh, but uh, I think uh, Nando said he was going to watch the Bieber game, too. I haven't followed up with him, but uh, I watched it. Uh, was, you know, not frankly, none of the choices were really... Uh, Neither, I should say, neither of the baseball choices were uh, really living up to the hype. Uh, Clay Kershaw got hurt. Uh, Shane Bieber was okay, but sort of flamed out uh, after the first couple of innings. And uh, yeah, maybe we should have all been watching the uh, the NBA Finals instead. So, uh, and I, you know, of course, uh, I, I saw the uh, J.R. Smith play, but uh, you know, unlike a lot of people, I, I was seeing it on Twitter and not in real time. Although. Uh, I'm not sure which might have been uh, more uh, just uh, entertaining and and, uh, just mind-numbing, I guess. I don't know. It was uh, uh, absolutely crazy. Anyway, um, but I will focus on the baseball side of things, uh, this being the Fantasy Baseball Hour. And so we'll uh, talk about uh, that Kershaw situation. Cardinals, uh, they've got uh, rotation in flux, as it has been for, uh, it seems like, a, a few weeks and uh, some other news to catch up on as well. And uh, I'll be, uh, as I typically do on Fridays, be looking ahead to the uh, the week ahead. Didn't get very far with Nando yesterday on the two-star pitchers. So uh, I'll, I'll finish up what we uh, started on Thursday's show and also take a look at some of the schedules that you need to pay, pay attention to, excuse me, pay attention to in the coming week. And also, I did drop the ball on one thing, but it's not too late. Uh, usually, on Friday mornings, I'll send out a tweet asking people to send their questions, uh, particularly if it's an early lineup lock. Now, it's a it's a really, really small schedule this Monday, which sort of affects the whole week. Nope. Almost, uh, there's just a, a handful of teams that have seven-game schedules. Uh, there's one, actually, with eight games. Because there's no games on on Monday practically. There's okay, I'm exaggerating. There are five scheduled games, uh, and one is or two of those five games are part of a doubleheader: the uh, Yankees at the Tigers. Anyways, get to the point here. Because we have that doubleheader, the first game does start at one ten Eastern. So uh, a lot of you, I imagine, will have a fairly early lineup lock. And uh, if you want to get in a question. For me to answer on this show in terms of uh, lineup dilemmas that you foresee having over the weekend, add drop questions, trades you're thinking of making to get ready for the week ahead or just rest of season, 
Uh, I will check Twitter during the breaks and answer them on air. And I apologize for not soliciting those earlier because usually when I do get on the ball and solicit those early, uh, you come through with a lot of good questions. So I'll check during the breaks. Anyway, let's uh, get to the news. Uh, so Clayton Kershaw did pitch uh, last night, uh, first start off of the DEL. The velocity was down. The results were not bad, despite of that. In spite of that, uh, but he uh, his back tightened up, which I'm sure is related to the velocity decline. And he's going to go get an MRI on his back. So there's possibility that Clayton Kershaw goes right back on the DL after that five inning start against the Phillies. So not at all the uh, outcome that we wanted to see. We did get the nice pitchers duel. Uh, which is uh, which is cool, and apparently also there was a, a weird play at the plate uh, involving Michael Franco and Yasmani Grandal. But because I was watching the the Bieber game and I guess watching everything but <laughs> this uh, uh, Kershaw Nola matchup, I missed that. Um, so I have to go back and check that out. But um, in any event, and a great start for Nola, which I'll uh, talk about a little bit later on. Uh, now, as for the Cardinals, uh, this all sort of came down during yesterday's show. Nando and I were talking about how you deal with uh, Alex Reyes being pulled early from his start on uh, Wednesday. And then uh, the, the news came right in the middle of the show that uh, Alex Reyes was going to be placed on the DL. So he is on the DL with a what is now being termed as a significant lat strain. So while this time yesterday we did know that Reyes was going on the DL, we didn't necessarily know the severity of the injury, and apparently it's pretty bad. So we don't have an exact timetable, but if you've been stashing Alex Reyes all this time, you're going to have to keep stashing, it sounds like, for, for quite a while. Uh, I would think, you know, it sounds like maybe several weeks. But again, I've not seen anything specific there. Uh, so we'll just have to wait on the next update that comes around for Alex Reyes. Now, as far as Carlos Martinez, he did pitch last night uh, at Double A Springfield, uh, went four innings, gave up a couple of runs, and before that start, the reports on Carmart were that he would be back on Tuesday, you know, just staying right on that five-day schedule and making his next start on Tuesday. But for the Cardinals as long as he responded well, both in-game and I would assume see how he's feeling today after pitching those four innings. I've not yet seen a report on how Martinez is responding today. I would think that the results, while certainly not while overwhelmingly great, were probably good enough uh, that if he, as long as he feels well today, uh, that Martinez should be back in the Cardinals rotation on Tuesday. But again, that's one, you know, between now and setting your lineups uh, Monday afternoon, one that uh, we'll all need to check back on. And in a move related to putting Alex Reyes on the DL, the Cardinals sent Tyler O'Neill back down uh, to AAA Memphis. So, you know, actually, I, I figured that there's a possibility. I still spent a whole bunch of money on him last weekend in fab uh, because, remember, he's coming off of those, uh, I believe it was three games in a row with home runs. But you know, this is the nature of, of the situation with the Cardinals outfield. It's um, you know, it's a crowded situation, but um, you, you certainly you've got uh, Marcelo Zuna who's been banged up this week. You've got Tommy Pham, who's had a long history of uh, injury issues. Uh, so I, I, you know, I'm not surprised O'Neill sent down. I also will not be surprised if he's back up 
Um, now I realize it's a uh, you know that uh, may not be an imminent return for him, but um, I also would be surprised uh, you know if we did see him uh, maybe you know by next weekend or, or you know the following week. So. Uh, we'll, we'll uh, keep tabs on Tyler O'Neill. I'm sure he'll be back at some point. It would be nice to see, for him to get some some playing time because that power is absolutely legitimate for him. And one more Cardinals note here, uh, according to uh, GM Michael Gersh, that uh, Yadier Molina is going to probably start a rehab assignment uh, at Springfield, where uh, Carlos Martinez just was, uh, beginning tomorrow on Saturday. So that's not a definite thing yet, but given that we're talking about tomorrow, uh, if it doesn't happen, I imagine you'll hear about that very, very soon. So uh, we may be fairly close to seeing uh, the return of Yadier Molina. Now, I'm being vague in the way I say that. I was also very vague because the reports were vague about Daniel Murphy. I gave you an update on him yesterday, and now we have another update on him and several of his Nationals teammates from Masson. Uh, that the AA Harrisburg Senators have announced that Murphy, along with Adam Eaton, Brian Goodwin, and Matt Grace, are all expected to stay with the team over the weekend uh, on rehab assignments. So no Daniel Murphy this weekend. So we're just putting that off a little bit more. Uh, maybe we see Daniel Murphy next week. So just add that to the list, the growing list here of things that you're going to have to check up on over the weekend uh, because maybe we are, in fact, close uh, to seeing Daniel Murphy. We are not at all close seeing close to seeing Will Myers back with the Padres. Report from MLB.com states that Myers did take dry swings for the first time since going on the DL, took 20 dry swings yesterday, uh, but that his best-case scenario for a return is still early July. So he's at least a month away, Will Myers. So just keep uh, keep stashing him. Uh, some relatively good news for Reese Hoskins. He is not going to have uh, surgery on his fractured jaw. He doesn't need it, apparently. And that means that we're looking at weeks rather than months in terms of his stay on the DL. Uh, but according to NBC Sports Philadelphia, he does not have an exact timetable um, but again, it's it's going to be a shorter timetable than if he did have surgery. And also, this is this was pretty interesting. Uh, when I saw the report of this, and I you know saw initially as a a link posted on Twitter, and the first comment to this to this uh, tweet came from Kevin Franzen, uh, who's uh, a radio color analyst for the Phillies and a former Philly player. And Franzen uh, tweeted the following. 2006, I had a broken jaw, missed two and a half slash three weeks, and was back and with the C-flap on the helmet. Only thing is, uh, is in that time, time frame, or I'm sorry, in that time frame, lost 10 to 15 pounds. Wow. So, uh, you know, maybe there's something also to consider with Reese Hoskins, who's had his, you know, struggles before getting hit in the face of the ball, and now, uh, you know, out with a broken jaw. And you know, maybe weight, weight loss is something that's uh, going to be a concern there. Um, so some some interesting insight from experience from uh, former Philly Kevin Franzen. I talked earlier this week about Greg Allen and how he's been emerging as uh, somebody relevant in fantasy. But uh, 
it's going to be interesting to see what happens to his playing time because Bradley Zimmer is going to be acted from the DL today. And the corresponding move is for Shane Bieber to go back to AAA Columbus. But this is sort of a uh, what I would think of as uh, a Nick Kingham move. It's not because Bieber didn't pitch well enough. It's because the Indians don't need a fifth starter for a while. They don't need another one, uh, another fifth starter or a fifth starter <laughs> until June 12th. Uh, so Bieber's going to go back and, and maybe we see him back up in June 12, on June 12th. Uh, but in the meanwhile, there's a little bit of a log jam. In the, in the in the Indians outfield, so we'll see how that gets handled uh, over the weekend and in the coming days. The Red Sox have officially released Hanley Ramirez. He is now a free agent. Pretty much saw that one coming. And also in some Red Sox news, Dustin Pedroia's day to day with a sore left knee, so he was replaced at second base uh, last night by Brock Holt. And finally, it's actually one of the bigger news items. I'm not sure why I saved it for last, but. Uh, Brad Ziegler is out, officially out as Marlins closer, blew the save against the Padres on uh, Wednesday. Uh, he's not, not blown many saves, but he has, you know, he's given up a lot of runs and not been really all that effective. This has sort of been building up over at least the last couple of weeks. So I'm sure there's already been a lot of speculation on Bear, uh, Kyle Bearclaw, but he is going to be the new Marlins closer. And in this piece on MLB.com that reports all this, do mention that Don Mattingly sees Drew Steckenrider as having some uh, potential. He wasn't didn't come right out and say to close, but you know to, to be a part of the late-inning mix. Uh, the part that was also interesting, because really Kyle Bearclaw replacing Brad Ziegler, I think this is just a matter of time. Um, so certainly it's good to know the certainty now and in a league where Bearclaw is still available. I think it's a good idea to go get him. But uh, the thing I thought was sort of interesting looking a little farther ahead is that Mattingly also cited um, Adam Connolly as somebody who might get more usage in the later innings. And that, again, does not mean that he will share closing opportunities with uh, with Bearclaw. I think the job really is his solely right now, except maybe, you know, when he's, uh, when he needs some rest, but I, I think it's worth paying attention to just because Kyle Bearclaw has not really been that dominant this year. Uh, he's always had trouble getting the chases on the pitches out of the zone. He's had particular troubles with that over the past few weeks. So the strikeout to walk ratio has not been very imp- impressive, uh, even though he's, he's been effective, but he is vulnerable. And I think he could go through a stretch where maybe he struggles, and then maybe you do see Conley or Steckenrider or somebody, maybe Tehran Guerrero if he can uh, turn things around. But he's had a rough go lately, uh, so I, you know, I could see the situation becoming fluid. But for the time being, it, it most certainly is not. It, I believe that this is Bearclaw's job uh, and his job alone uh, for now. Uh, now there's not much to tell you in terms of lineups. The White Sox doing their usual good punctual job, even though it's a central time start there in Chicago at guaranteed rate field. They're the first, they're the first ones at the party. They're sitting around waiting for everybody else to uh uh turn in their lineups. Uh actually at, just as I said that, a few others just came in. But before I get to that, uh weather, I can go through this pretty quickly too. Uh there's really no major weather threats for any of the games tonight, but one maybe just to keep a little bit of an eye on is Yankees uh, at Orioles at 7.05, Camden Yards. That is uh, Kashner and Sonny Gray in that one. 
And very slight chance, 14% chance of rain uh, at game time, but does increase a bit as the night goes on. So that's just the only one you may want to pay a little bit of attention to, see if that forecast gets any worse, but doesn't look bad right now. Uh, as for those lineups, as I mentioned, White Sox lineup is out, uh, but nothing particularly of note there. That's Hector Santiago and Chase Anderson pitching for the Brewers in that one. But now we have uh, Braves, Cubs, and Mets lineups all out. Cubs and Mets playing each other at City Field, where there was that little fire a couple days ago. I guess everything's all right there. Mets back at City Field, 7-10 start tonight. Uh, Tyler Chatwood and Zach Wheeler. Uh, but we got to head to break, so check on those lineups and the Braves lineup and any other ones that come along after the break, along with uh, some of the stand-up performances from Thursday as well. So don't go anywhere. I'm going to be right back with all that. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. You are at Club Fantasy Baseball Hour, also known as the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. I'm Al Melchior. I'm your host. Uh, welcome back to the show, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, anyway, so uh, before I get to all that stuff that I teased right before the break, uh, just to remind you that uh, you could have a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. If you're interested in that, go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. There, you will find a link to a free DFS baseball contest every day. The contests are sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. And while 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their own families, 70% or nearly 14,000 each year must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. Find out how you can help and also play, a, play in free DFS contests with a shot at winning two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. Go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. And again, that's dailyroto.com slash DKMS. All right. So, uh, yes, a few lineups came in right before the break. Let's uh, check those out. And again, just to remind you, um, I also checked during the break to see if uh, any of you had questions for me uh, in advance of the early first pitch on Monday, uh, 1 o'clock, Yankees-Tigers, I believe that is. So um, none in yet, but uh, not too late. If you do have questions you want me to answer on the air, tweet them at me. Uh, I'll be uh, checking again in the next break. 
So, yeah, I mentioned that the White Sox lineup is out. And then uh, Cubs-Mets, I mentioned before, Tyler Chatwood and Zach Wheeler at City Field. And we got Ben Zobrist back in the leadoff spot. I talked about him, I think, two days ago on the show. Uh, he's been playing well lately and playing fairly often. Uh, Jason Hayward batting second. And um, Chris Jimenez catching uh, so no Wilson Contreras in the lineup for the Cubs. Uh, yeah, interesting lineup there. And for the Mets, Brandon Nimmo in there again, leading off. Uh, so you got the uh, Nimmo, uh, Nimmo Conforto J. Bruce outfield today. And uh, Adrian Gonzalez back at first base. So uh, there you go for the Mets. And then the Braves lineup, this is going to be... Uh, at, uh, I almost said Turner Field, time to get back into 2018 here. SunTrust Park, a 735 start uh, out in Cobb County. And uh, Nationals going with Steven Strasburg in that one. Braves going with Mike Fultonevich. And Preston Tucker uh, filling in again in left field. Uh, Johan Camargo at third. Yeah, pretty much normal lineup there for the Braves. So nothing too impactful yet as far as the lineups are concerned. Um, all right, well, let's uh, go right to some of the stand-up performances for last night. So, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I did the bulk of my watching uh, of the game at Target Field, Indians and Twins, um, Shane Bieber and Jake Odorizzi. What, actually, it seemed like Jake Odorizzi was in there for a really long time, but it's just because the innings he pitched were very long, uh, but there weren't very many of them. He really got hit around, gave Shane Bieber an 8 nothing cushion, which he kind of needed because while he was really sharp for the first two, three innings, uh, second and third time around the batting order didn't go nearly as well and uh, got the hook after five and two thirds, gave up a total of four runs, including a couple of home runs uh, on eight hits, just one walk though, and six strikeouts. So to a certain degree, Shane, Shane Bieber came exactly as advertised, throwing 92, 93, typically uh, throwing a lot of strikes, in fact, half of his pitches in the strike zone, so very, very high ratio there. Um, but not somebody who was you know overwhelming and dominating. Seemed to to uh, you know particularly when he had his success the first few innings was really by location and not only throwing in the zone, but when he was missing, he was not missing by much. So um, you know mixing it up uh, certainly in terms of of location and uh, and with speed as well, and it and it worked for for a few innings. So. Uh, you know, not a bad performance at all. Uh, and like I said earlier in the show, already back to triple A, but could be back up in uh, in 11 days when the uh, Indians do need another fifth starter. And then uh, also mentioned earlier about uh, Clayton Kershaw having to go for an MRI on his back, uh, which tightened up in his first start back off the DL against the Phillies. And not a bad start for Kershaw, but that's obviously overshadowed by the health concerns and the possibility he goes back on the DL. But uh, also overshadowed was the fact that Aaron Nola just had another awesome performance going seven innings, uh, one run on just two hits and a walk with seven Ks against the Dodgers. Uh, but also notable in that game, it was just Nola and uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez. That was it. That's, that's all the Phillies needed. And Dominguez came in and pitched a one, two, three eighth and a one, two, three ninth. And he has been almost perfect 
since being called up, he's thrown, I think, I'm doing this off of memory, I think he's thrown 13 and two-thirds innings now after the two innings on Thursday night and has yet to give up a run, has yet to walk anybody. Um, he's been fantastic. And of all the Phillies that are in that closer mix that Gabe Kapler set up uh, a little less than about three weeks ago when you recall, it seems like way more, by the way, way more than three weeks ago that um, Hector Neris had that really, really rough stretch where uh, he finally uh, got taken out of the closers role. And then Kapler said, well, I don't really have a closer anymore. And Kapler's kept to his word. The Phillies have had six save opportunities uh, between the time that Neris was removed as the sole closer right through last night's game. And the first five of those six opportunities all went to different relievers. So he's really spread the wealth. Uh, but Dominguez is now the first one to repeat in getting a save since uh, Kapler's gone to a, a committee, if you want to call it a committee. Um, and he's certainly got the the resume now. He's built the resume where if Kapler just wanted to go with Dominguez, looks like he's got him could have himself a really good shutdown closer, uh, who again has been practically perfect for uh, roughly a month or so. So uh, we'll we'll see uh, what what happens there. I don't have any particular reason to think that Kapler's going to change his plan and just go with one one closer. But if you were so inclined to go after anybody in that mix, it's it's got to be Sir Anthony Dominguez. He's just been fantastic. He really couldn't be any better. Uh, Sean Newcomb has had uh, a, a nice run of late, and uh, that continued on Thursday against the Nationals, went seven innings deep, two runs on four hits and two walks, only two strikeouts, though. So if there's any sort of red flag with Sean Newcomb, and I don't really think there is, um, but just something to note, just something to tuck away, over his last, last four starts, He's, he's gone 22 innings, which in and of itself is maybe just a tiny bit concerning because he's averaging just over five innings a start. Although I think I think his one three-inning start that maybe is uh, weighing that average down. But 22 innings, nonetheless. I will move along, move it along here. Only 16 Ks. And the thing with Newcomb is you know that there's probably going to be some games where he walks more than a few. But you always figure that there's going to be strikeouts, if nothing else, with Sean Newcomb. Probably going to be a whole bunch of soft contact, too. But you worry about the walks. Shouldn't worry about the strikeouts. But over his last 14, or I'm sorry, 14, his last four starts, 16 Ks in 22 innings and 12 walks. So that's not a great ratio by any means. Um, he also has a 9% whiff rate, which is suboptimal. And you could maybe overlook that if you said, well, he's only getting swinging strikes on 9% of his pitches. But wow, look at look at how many times he's freezing batters. You know, if he had a uh, called strike rate that was like in the lower 20s, that 9% whiff rate wouldn't be of any concern. But the freeze rate is 15%, which is about two ticks below average for the major leagues. So there's a few sort of mild warning signs over a pretty small sample of starts here. But it's now, when you get to four starts, it's a large enough sample that at least it's something that should stay on your radar for a little while. Daniel Mengden with a solid effort uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, eight innings, three runs on six hits, two walks, 
five Ks, pretty typical Megden line. Uh, maybe in, in some ways uh, the anti Newcomb, somebody that you really should not count on for strikeouts. But you'd be very surprised if he he walks very many people. So it's like both Megden and Newcomb walked two guys last night. But for Megden, it's like wow, he walked two guys. That's that's kind of a lot for him. And for Newcomb, it's like oh great, he only walked two guys. Uh, so it's all it's all in your perspective. But even with the two walks, which you know is not, I mean I'm exaggerating. But uh, even with those two walks, Megden has a 2.7 percent walk rate on the season. He has held batters to a 254 on base percentage. That is just nuts in a good way. And I'm actually just a little surprised. He's got, uh, including this start now, seven quality starts. I would have thought maybe he was up to eight or nine. Uh, and that that is nitpicking. A difference of, of a quality start to is an absolute nitpick. Uh, there's a whole bunch of starting pitchers tied with seven quality starts, but not that many that have more than that. And pretty much, almost without exception, everybody who's got eight quality starts or more is a fantasy ace. The one player that really sticks out on that leaderboard is uh, Tanner Roark, who has eight quality starts. Uh, and if you would figure there, there'd be anybody who would be near the top of that leaderboard without necessarily being uh, a fantasy ace, it would be Tanner Roark, who's very durable and uh, efficient. So um, no surprise there. So Daniel Mengden getting the quality starts for sure uh, with his efficiency and his good control. Uh, pretty much you know, delivering what you expect pretty consistently. Not a lot of strikeouts there. Now, Jose Quintana, this, he's on the surface, this looks like a, t- a tough trend to figure out for him. He has alternated pretty bad starts with really good starts now over the course of his last seven starts. But you put them all together, the good starts far outweigh the bad ones. Over his last seven starts, he has a 2.54 ERA. Uh, So that includes last night's outing against the Mets. Quintana went six innings, did not not allow a run, Uh, gave up three hits, two walks, six Ks uh, against the Mets. But... uh, I know for me now, you know, it's at the, the part of the season where, you know, we've seen enough from teams. We've seen enough from uh, pitchers to, you know, sort of almost automatically know what's a, a good matchup and a bad matchup. And the Mets are clearly a very, very good matchup for lefties. So when I looked at this alternating pattern for Quintana, I thought, I wonder if those other good starts maybe were good matchups too. And it turns out, that that's pretty much the case. Uh, the four good starts uh, that he's had out of the last seven are the Mets, uh, the Reds, the Marlins, and the Brewers. The Reds stick out a little bit because they've been reasonably tough. Not you know not a, a holy terror or anything, but reasonably tough uh, against left-handed uh, pitching. But the Mets, Marlins, and Brewers are the three very, very worst teams in the major leagues against left-handed pitching as measured by WOBA. The three worst. And prior to the string of seven starts, he's had one really, had had one really good start. Because remember, he did not start off the season well. But in the midst of those not very good starts early on, he did have, or yeah, the, the bad starts early on, he had one really good start. And that was also against the Brewers. Um, so basically, Quintana has yet, well, I shouldn't say has yet. He's had one 
very good start against a team that's not miserable against left-handed pitching, and that's the Cincinnati Reds. So that is something to bear in mind for uh, Quintana's upcoming matchups. Uh, he's 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 struggling against teams uh, that are you know at least decent against lefties. So Quintana's next scheduled start is against the Phillies. Uh, that would be next Wednesday. That'll be at Wrigley Field. And um, I'm going to stall here for about 30 seconds while I look up. I should have been prepared for this, but I wasn't. Uh, while I look up how the Phillies rank, because I suspect, I think they're they're really good against left-handers. And uh, survey says, uh, okay, uh, apparently my memory is really bad because they're very much middle of the pack <laughs> against lefties. Uh, right, They rank 17th in Woba. Uh, they've got a 127 ISO, which is not good at all. So basically they walk a lot and don't strike out too much uh, against lefties. So it sounds like basically if it weren't for the walks, the Phillies would probably be among the lesser teams. So maybe that'll be a good one for uh, for Quintana. I don't know. But certainly the Phillies are not in the same category as the, the Mets, uh, who he uh, pretty much dominated on Thursday. Uh, going for the Mets in that game, uh, uh, coming from uh, uh, the the bullpen, making his very first start of the year with Seth Lugo, and he's been generally really really good out of the bullpen this year, and just continued that against the Cubs. Went four innings, so obviously still getting stretched out, uh, but did not give up a run, did not walk anybody, he gave up three hits, and he struck out three batters. So very very nice performance there uh, from Seth Lugo, and. A couple of pitchers uh, I, I want to mention here who have been pretty good, pretty steadily good, and I think are really the target of a lot of skepticism. And one is Wade LeBlanc. It, it seems like I talk about his start every single time he makes one because he's just been good and steady. He went five innings against the Rangers, one run on four hits, two walks, four Ks. He's got now a 2.60 ERA. And he is a fly ball pitcher, and that's something that's kept owners away from him in the past is the fact that LeBlanc's been homer prone. But so far, the only pitcher in the majors right now who has a lower hard contact rate on fly balls is Jacob deGrom. So LeBlanc's not walking anybody. He's not giving up any hard contact, really. Uh, and, and the numbers are backing that up. And then the other one I wanted to mention was Jordan Lyles, who had a good start against the Mar Marlins. So, yes, it was at home. It was against the Marlins. Uh, Marlins not a great uh, or not a, uh, a great hitting team against lefties or righties. Uh, Lyles went seven innings, two runs on six hits and a walk with seven Ks. Uh, but he is following the Ulysses Chassin path from last year to fantasy uh, relevance this year. Lyles has a 2.01 ERA at Petco Park and a 6.40 ERA every place else. So if you remember last year, Shasin was totally dominant in his starts at Petco and not very good any, anywhere else. So uh looks like it's uh, probably pretty safe to start Jordan Lyles anytime he's uh, at Petco. And last pitching performance I want to uh, touch upon here is Andrew Heaney. Uh, this was a day game, so I actually talked a little bit about this on yesterday's show, but got roughed up for five runs in the first inning, but stayed in the game for five innings and didn't give up any more damage. So five runs total in five uh, innings, 
eight hits, one walk, only three Ks against the Tigers. But that brings us breaks a string of six consecutive starts where he had not allowed more than two earned runs in any start. He's getting a lot of soft ground ball contact, and he's got a great infield de- defense behind him. So that's really helping Heaney uh, with the whip and I think just generally um, you know, helping him out. So little assist from the defense there, uh, particularly Andrelton Simmons, uh, Zach Cozart over at third. Um, you know, so good, good infield defense uh, behind Andrew Heaney. So uh, uh, Ian Kinsler also, while he's uh, struggled up until lately offensively, uh, he's having a good defensive season. Uh, so something to bear in mind for Heaney and, and maybe all the uh, the Angels pitchers. So uh, on that note, uh, got a few, few hitting performances that I do want to get to. And uh, also look ahead to next week. And over this break right now, as we uh, head towards commercial break, I'm going to check in and see if you got any questions. If you got them, I'm going to answer them right after the break. Uh, coming up very, very shortly here. Um, so uh, that said, I apologize. Just thought we were due for a break here, but I'll just keep going. Uh, so some of the hitter performances that I did want to uh, touch upon certainly starts with Francisco Lindor with a two-homer, two-double game against the Twins. And a lot of that damage was done against Jake Odorizzi. Like I mentioned, really, really rough game for him. Um, So he's now up to 14 homers and 19 doubles on the season, and he's batting 311. And none of this is really shocking to anybody. I mean, he was, you know, routinely being taken within the first couple of rounds uh, on draft day. Uh, But kind of the weird slash funny part about all this is that he's striking out at a career high rate, 18%. So still not really a... um, you know, not a super high rate, but, um, you know, batting 311, maybe there's a little bit of batting average regression coming Lindor's way, but he certainly looked like he was due for a rebound after last season where it looked like he was trading off uh, batting average for power, but yeah, a lot of the underlying indicators just suggested he was just a better hitter all around last season. He was getting robbed a bit on batting average. So I'm not sure I buy the 311 average that Lindor's got right now, but, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I certainly don't think it's at the time that you want to sell Lindor off thinking that, you know, this is as good as it gets because if he regresses, I don't think it's going to be by much. So I'm just going to take a just a quick uh, uh, break just for a moment here before I get to some of these other hitter performances uh, to remind you that if you play DFS and if you haven't tried playing mybookie.ag player props, then you're missing out. Their player props tool allows you to avoid sharks winning 90% of the money in DFS. You can invest in the players that you want to invest in without salary caps. Forget about having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches. Just go to mybookie.ag, open a new account, and enter the promo code FNTSY to receive a 50% deposit bonus. Now, uh, oftentimes... uh, uh, a, a player uh, will be chalk in DFS, uh, you know. So you know, you look at uh, tonight's slate, and um, you know, maybe there's uh, certain matchups that just look, you know, really, really good to you. 
So, you know, on tonight's slate, for example, uh, let's see, we got, uh, well, you know, let's just say, since we're talking about Francisco Lindor, he's really hot. Uh, so he might seem like a pretty obvious play. Uh, you know, so in that case, 80% of the owners in tournaments will, will be taken because it seems like it's such an obvious play. Well, don't be a, new, a loser and eat DFS chalk. Instead, be a winner and play the mybookie.ag player prop. Plus, you can access the one sport not yet touched by DFS, the sport of kings, horse racing. Uh, so the, the process here is very simple. Go to mybookie.ag and open an account. Then second, enter the promo code FNTSY and receive your 50% deposit bonus. And then third, click the player props tool, choose your player prop, and collect your winnings. That's mybookie.ag. Don't forget, enter the promo code FNTSY. And now we are going to head to just a short break when I come back. More standout performances and a look ahead to next week. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And I um, guess y'all are going to be good for Monday. Did not see any questions coming through uh, on Twitter. Uh, if somehow I missed it. I apologize. But um, anyhow, plenty get to get to because I uh, barely touched upon the uh, hitting performances from last night. want to talk about a few more of those. Uh, and I also want to start getting us ready for um, not only for next week, but take a look at the slate tonight because uh, there's a few interesting matchups uh, to just to take note of. So getting back to uh, Thursday and some of those hitting performances, I mentioned the, the big uh, explosion offensively from Francisco Lindor. Uh, Francisco Cervelli. Uh, he was out for a few games. He was back, and certainly no slowing down for him. He went two for four uh, against the Cardinals, uh, including a home run, which is his eighth of the year, which is already a career high for Cervelli. So he has made quite a transformation this year, uh, hitting not only with more elevation, but just a lot more power. And uh, he credits um, a little bit of a leg kick. And uh, holding himself a little bit differently in terms of his stance at the plate seemed like subtle things, but he says that th- those have made a huge difference for him. And uh, you know maybe he is Kurt, this year's Kurt Suzuki, uh, you know, just breaking out, uh, you know, relatively late in his career as a much much better hitter. Uh, so he continues on even after a little bit uh, of a hiatus. And Yairo Munez uh, had a big moment. Uh, in that uh, game uh, against the the Pirates for the Cardinals. He went two for five. Uh, he homered and doubled. 
And uh, the home run came off uh, Felipe Vasquez, who um, just inexplicably, after uh, getting pulled early from that game on Sunday, I feel like I've been talking about him every day this week. I probably have. So you got, but just to recap, in case maybe you didn't follow the whole thing. Uh, so Vasquez got pulled early from a, a, a game and a, a bad one on Sunday uh, with uh, some forearm inflammation. And so, of course, instantly, you know, we in the fantasy community all, you know, we're wildly speculating uh, Sunday night, you know, lots of bidding on uh, primarily Edgar Santana, but also uh, Richard Rodriguez. And um, then the next morning, Vasquez comes out and says uh, he's uh, he's fine. He's going to you know be ready to pitch on Tuesday. And in fact, he wasn't just ready. He did pitch on Tuesday and on Wednesday, didn't pitch badly. No issues with velocity. Didn't give up any runs uh, in either of those innings. And then came out again last night and gave up that home run to Buñoz, um, but just had a, a, a rough outing uh, as well. Gave up a big hit to Luke Voigt uh, and blew the save and took the loss for the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, against the Cardinals. So, um, but back to Buñoz, um, you know, Cardinals, they, they do just seem to, you know, Get these folks. Uh, well, granted, they traded for Munoz uh, in the off season, but they do find a way to stock their uh, system with uh, you know, versatile players who who can hit a bit. And uh, so, you know, Munoz uh, haven't really paid much attention to him, but you know, getting a little little bit of playing time lately, and um, you know, showing a bit of power. Like I said, hit both a, a double and a home run. In that game, uh, he's up to a 314 average uh, with a 157 ISO. Derek Dietrich is on a little bit of a hot streak, too. Um, now, Marlins didn't do a whole lot against the Padres, so be easy to have missed this one. But he had a three-hit game, including his sixth home run. And over his last 10 games combined, he's got three home runs, three doubles. He's got 10 hits and four walks. Um, so he's back 313, getting on base a bunch. So I don't know uh, how long this will necessarily last for Dietrich, but he has shown some power uh, in the past, although not necessarily the recent past, and showing it again in the last uh, week and a half or so. And then finally, uh, Joey Wendell with a three-hit game against the A's, and he's been hot over his last 16. Not a whole lot of power there, just one home run, but batting 328. Also has a couple of stolen bases. That gives him four on the season, so... Uh, I realize there's not a whole lot of demand for middle infielders who can hit for average and, and, you know, give you some moderate stolen base help, but that's essentially who Joey Wendell is a guy who uh, hits to all fields, but uh, not with a a ton of, of home run power, but uh, in deeper leagues uh, that, you know, that actually helps him stand out a bit. Uh, Anyway, uh, some matchups stand out tonight. I've talked uh, earlier in the week about Blaine Hardy, wrote a piece about him for Rotographs that I do recommend you check out uh, that focuses mostly on him and Matt Boyd. They're both really very under-owned. It's a little bit more understandable for Hardy, first of all, has not been in the rotation that long for the Tigers. And uh, also because now with the the, the DLing of Francisco Liriano, it probably buys Hardy a little bit more time. But it's not exactly clear if he'll be able to stick in the rotation long-term, but it certainly seems like if he can continue pitching the way that he has recently, 
that it'd be, it'd be hard to see Ron Gardenhire taking Blaine Hardy out of the rotation. He's been fantastic and has been amongst the leaders in terms of the amount uh, and rate of, of soft contact that he's allowing. He's got the uh, Blue Jays tonight uh, at Comerica Park. Uh, Jaime Garcia starting for the Blue Jays. So I, you know, I, I actually picked up Hardy in one of my daily lineup leagues. In my Atnu league, which is a daily lineup league, uh, I started bidding on him. That's a, that's the way you pick up players in, in uh, Atnu is uh, that you have to start bidding. You can't just go and, and pick them up. Uh, so we'll see how this goes. I mean, certainly if he go, if this goes well against the Blue Jays, more folks might start to take notice. Um, so maybe uh, pick him up before the start if he can. Uh, Jamison Tyone, he's uh, going up against the Cardinals and Miles Michaelis, so that should be a really nice uh, matchup, maybe a good uh, pitcher's duel in that one. And I'm really sort of in more of a wait-and-see mode with Tyone, but I'm really interested in, in watching how he uh, deals with, with this game tonight because he's recently started throwing a slider. And, um, you know, we had a good start the last time out, got a bunch of swings and misses with it. So we'll get a few more data points tonight from uh, Jameson Tyone in terms of his uh, pitch usage and the success that he has. Uh, last I looked, the Dodgers did not have a uh, an announced starter for tonight's game. It's uh, could be a bullpen game, but um, one possibility is that they start Dennis Santana, who was called up a couple of days ago. So I am just checking right now and it is not going to be Dennis Santana. They have announced a starter and it's going to be Scott Alexander. So obviously, obviously a bullpen day for the Dodgers at Coors Field against Tyler Anderson, and the Rockies. So that's going to be Scott Alexander. So that'll be interesting to see uh, who gets some long innings in that one. Maybe it's Santana coming in in the middle uh, with the, uh, Dave Roberts maybe looking to to neutralize some left-handed bats early on with uh, Scott Alexander. So interesting move there. And uh, finally, uh, Jaime Berea gets the start for the Angels against the Rangers. I really like this matchup. Considered picking him up for today, uh, had a, a you know roster crunch, and I you know basically I could have picked him up instead of Hardy, but I do like the that matchup a little bit better. But still, Rangers are should be a pretty good matchup for uh, Jaime Berea, who gets a lot of chases, and the Rangers are not especially selective. Uh, it will be Bartolo Colon going for the Rangers. So, uh, yeah, I think Berea is a nice uh, pickup for, uh, for tonight if you're still setting your daily lineups. And uh, finally, let's uh, take a look at next week. So I started with Nando on yesterday's show looking at some of the more difficult to start pitcher dilemmas, but not really focusing so much on the pitchers that you could go out and just pick up. Uh, so those were more, you know, pitchers that are already owned, but do you actually want to risk them with the two stars that they have? Pitchers that you might be able to pick up. Now, Kyle Freeland, this is probably going to be more of a shallow league play because he is fairly widely owned, but he's got the Reds in Cincinnati and then back at home against the Diamondbacks. Uh, you know, it's too bad that Freeland doesn't get the Diamondbacks to chase field, but <laughs> uh, that's what makes this a little bit more interesting. But I, you know, I, I do like Freeland. I don't even worry about him too much at Coors Field. So 
not a guy that gives you a lot of strikeouts. So I love a two-start week for Kyle Freeland where he actually, for a change, can help you with strikeouts by doubling up. And then you had the two pitchers that went against each other on Wednesday night, Jose Urania and Clayton Richard. Uh, so, you know, having started twice on Wednesday, they both uh, get the, uh, I think for, for both of them, it's Tuesday, Sunday this week, um, this coming week. So Urania gets uh, the Cardinals at Marlins Park and then the, the Padres. Um, so nice matchups there. For, for Arania, and, and maybe not nice matchup, but good venues. Richard gets, uh, he has good venues. He's got, um, probably going up against Arania again, he's got the Marlins uh, at Marlins Park, but then at, he, at home he gets the Braves. So that's certainly a much better start than getting the Braves uh, at SunTrust Park. So I certainly like both of them. They're both widely available. They both pitched really well on Wednesday. Uh, Richard in particular has been very good for about the past month. So I, they're probably my two favorite pickups amongst, uh, projected two-star pitchers that are, that are probably available in most leagues. Uh, then finally you got the Royals who have a seven, they're one of just three games that have a seven game week. So both Danny Duffy and, um, uh, <laughs> was going to say, uh, not Mitch Keller, uh, Brad Keller. I think it's the first time I've I've come close to uh, mixing those two up. But uh, Brad Keller starting. The concern with Keller is that he's only just made the one start so far and only went three innings, so he's getting stretched out. But with two starts, maybe it's the equivalent of like one you know one good start. Uh, they do both. Both Duffy and Keller get the Angels in Anaheim, and then the A's uh, in Oakland. Good venues, not necessarily great matchups though. Uh, but actually, I actually trust Keller more than Duffy to be honest. Uh, you've got uh, Fernando Romero, who just got Sheldon's last start, but he gets the White Sox. But he also gets the Angels, um, both in Minnesota. So uh, I probably feel good enough about the White Sox start that I feel good about starting Romero. And then finally, Nathan Avaldi talked about him a great deal on Thursday's show, but he does get the uh, two-start week scheduled anyways at Washington and then at home versus the Mariners. Not the greatest matchups for Avaldi. I might be more inclined to maybe maybe pick him up if he's available, but probably sit him and see how he does in the two-start week, even though he did have six no-hit innings in his season debut. Uh, I know you might wonder what more could I possibly want to see, but I do want to see more uh, from Nathan Baldwin. Anyway, so yeah, seven games for the uh, White Sox, Royals, and Yankees, eight games for the Tigers, and uh, one last hit, get back Stacy. Astros have four games against the Lefties. All right, got that in there.